Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Albie Bean Dragon today. Sorry about that. Do you think you have COVID? I think you guys gave me whatever cold you had, and I'm kind of, it's hitting me a little bit, so I'm yeah. feeling awesome. But. We've all, for one, we've all had something, whatever, the last 10 days, maybe And I was more. so happy, because for once, I was not the person who was deathly ill in a death store, yeah. and now I have it, So, but it doesn't seem too bad, so maybe my immune system will strengthen eventually, if you, you guys go. keep getting me sick, I don't know. Are you doing it? You do what I do, else. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think my immune system has uh-huh. held back a little bit by lack of sleep and general, um, like, time for self-care. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't relax a lot. The, uh, you know what? We're going to need t- little tiny craters for the uh, KMS folks, by the way, who have all succumbed <laughs> to the awful disease. All the awful disease. You hear my comeback right there, Alice? I heard your comeback. comeback. It's you see? very hilarious. Burnt. Yes. Boom. Um, but we'll get to that, those guys in a second, in a, in a bit. To we're the, gonna talk more about. I am going to clear up. Show. No, no, no. We're not gonna. I want to. I want okay. to. In case there's folks who listen to me and them, and I think there are. Okay. Um, and we love those guys, obviously. Even though yeah. Dave's a dickhead. I mean, but but um, but uh, but they but they, the recollection of certain parts of history. One is what I was doing at Intercom. Two, um, two my. Offer to Kirk at Boston Herald Radio. Okay. I believe need clarification, and I'm going to provide some in a little bit. Okay. But right now, I cannot. Sometimes there is a symphony of corruption that is done with such swagger and <laughs> such boldness that I am just blown away. So last night after the show, I think I had gotten friends of ours had told us or had told us. Uh, about the Melrose School Committee, Melrose Mass School Committee. Right. No, we covered a little of this on the show yesterday. Did I, I, did I have the audio? We did not have the audio. I had okay. just been, right before we recorded, sent from my mole in Wakefield right. information that at the Melrose School Committee meeting, it had been revealed that um, that, it, that 
the superintendent had been in communication. Well, hold on. Don't, don't say okay. anything more. Because actually, I bailed out mentally yesterday during that. You were not listening to me. I was not me. listening. Okay. I was looking around for something. Okay. <laughs> I was probably going back and forth with Cullinane, which takes way too much of my time. I mean, his time. Imagine days. the show he could put out if no, you just well, weren't obsessed with. Well, hold on. And okay. also, I'm defending myself against that because Toast now solidified the sisterhood and also uh, sh- sh- shot slings and arrows at me. I'm not going out there to defile myself, Alice. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying, "Well, this is wonderful." I'm being called fat in 36 different ways by a guy. One, I think, to be it's good promotion to be in that mentioned in anybody's universe, whether it's there or you know, in my my other show. You know, if you're taking up brain space anywhere, that is good, and. Um, and with that particular show and Jerry's show, there's obviously this crossover. No, I, do, I, so, understand, so, so, I understand that. However, right. I do think that you use up a lot of mental energy what? on. I do not. Alice. On like, uh, no, on just well, a lot of. Alice, I had Howie Carr okay. on the show. Okay. A legitimate straight up interview. Okay. So. Uh, from that, Dave made a campaign to attack me for it, which I saw what he was doing. It made for made for uh, content for them to use, and it got them gave them a chance to have another battle, etc. Um, but also, it was interesting, and so they that was their campaign, and then they came back and in in all these days later, like a week later, and then they talked about it for a while on the show. So. So mm-hmm. it's not as if I'm out here, uh, you know, a common streetwalker, just, you know, uh, t- you know, hey, fellas, uh, you lonely sugar. I was doing getting on with my life. OK, but, but they did that. And so I addressed it. And uh, why not? I, and I and I thought it's first of all, it's funny. OK, OK, it's fu- I'm not trying to say but I was I, not going out whatever. there. Oh, please notice me. Notice me. My God. Oh, I did that with something else. What did I do that with? Um, the Fred Couples thing. That's there. You go. <laughs> there you go. That's absolutely, and that's a cheap trying to in Kirk sought to like trying to get a list a little bit of lightning from exactly. But you know, it was done in a way that also was done via content. So right. you know, it wasn't a disgrace, which is why you know I was okay. Okay. so. Okay. I, how dare you? You're living I off think- my largesse at the, <laughs> and at the same time. Complain it's about true. It's true. You know, um, you're doing it all to benefit the family. I appreciate that. I appreciate so, that a so, lot. But I, th- I do think you like it, actually. Well, God forbid I like something else. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't worry about it. Most of my hours are spent in, in some form of hell. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so, but I want to get to the Melrose thing again, because I watched this since I wasn't listening yesterday to when you were talking about this. I came in fairly, fairly um, pure. I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, all I knew is that they were changing the name, and I had heard that that the that the superintendent somewhere in there it was brought up that the superintendent through FOIA emails, the superintendent had mentioned problematic uh, school names of mm-hmm. white presidents. So I was thinking that wow, that's really big. As a matter of fact, they used a bunch of that stuff in the Connecticut children. I was thinking that's really big, and that just shows you the creeping toxicity that is this movement. And obviously, uh, that you talked about it yesterday. That I was back in for you mentioning it, mm-hmm. and 
and you made a good point. It's, it's never done. It's never over. It's never over. So the every uh, the audio I got was based around that, and you know I've done this stuff before um, with you know just I've done it with Melrose and Winchester, which which is my hometown, which changed their name as well. And I sat in on the school board meeting, and it really it really is fascinating. There should be a show really just about school board meetings do really well and it'll be picked up everywhere yeah it would the only thing about doing that because i think about that all the time because i love this local politics stuff the only thing about that is it would be a huge time commitment because there's tons of meetings in tons of towns and like it's not all good stuff well right but you'd have (laughs) you'd have to really comb through a lot of content right but but there are some famously and i think it'd be ways to find them there are some famously insane and woke school boards that are standouts and one of them That's is in melrose look, massachusetts and you could look at the at the agendas in advance and see what topics were coming up so you could look for topics like that like mascots and stuff well and, but yeah, and, and that, that really but, bring out the crazies and and but, if you started to do it people would tip you oh, yeah, off of course and that's what it would be so let's start this is the start of the meeting this is the public session where the public gets to speak for three minutes <laughs> So you're gonna you're gonna enjoy some of this meeting with me, Alice. You're experiencing. Camera's not on Alice, so she's drinking beer right now. She, the, you're gonna enjoy some of this. <laughs> I don't with want it. people to think I'm drinking when I'm sick, yeah. but yeah. I am. Yeah. So here, uh, how'd you find that, Alice? Anything you want to say? <laughs> Do we want to tell people? No, we don't. I'll give you. I'll, I'll let you guys answer the question. Ask the question. What is the most disgraceful way you could fund your booze habit if you're parents of kids? What's the most disgraceful way? I'll put that aside now. Okay. So this is the beginning of the thing. For the first person who speaks, member of the public who speaks, is Betsy Garrett. And she is a concerned Melrosian. Uh-huh. And this tells me, all you, within the first six seconds here, you know... That this person, and it's fine, her name, Betsy Garrett, is the most perfect name that could ever be for her, obviously. (laughs) So this is Betsy Garrett. She's on via Zoom meeting, and she wants to talk about the uh, an issue with the Melrose schools. Here we go. First six seconds. My name is Betsy Garrett, and I speak to you today on the ancestral land of the Massachusetts tribe, the tribe of indigenous peoples from whom the colony, province, and commonwealth have taken their names, and whose descendants still live in historic Massachusetts territories today. I am here to express support for changing the name Red Raider to a name and mascot that the students have chosen. Okay, so obviously that she gave the shout out to the ancestral lands means that she's playing a psychological game to appease her own guilt in whatever else is coming from whatever else other sources, some of which may or not Marion may not, in my opinion, possibly uh, require a prescription. <laughs> so that's fine. So let's g- take it. C- continue, Betsy. My own kids were students at my- You know, she could also talk about and give a shout out to the people among us, including people in the past who have fought for the survival of her direct ancestors so that they could live here, both overseas and here. Some of them probably are still alive and in Melrose and around her, maybe in that room. She could do that, but no. She is sending props and giving a shout out to an idyllic version of what she hopes were the rightful inhabitants of this peaceful Narnia 
that we now call Melrose. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she's insane. Yes, you Next are. cut. <laughs> My own kids were students at Melrose High School several years ago. They feel no love for the Raiders' name, which they regard as racist and demeaning. Huh, where would they have learned that? Where would they have learned to they find stuff? They just independently came up with that term. They thought of that on their own. Where Nobody would they have found that? that? Wow, and they went to Melrose schools and they're seeing racism everywhere? That is shocking. I don't understand. Racist and demeaning. Demeaning. Then she um, um, shouts out somebody I've come to become very familiar with. This is a uh, essentially a grift artist named Fairies Gray who goes around to different communities in New England and gets paid to call all the guilty white Peloton-owning, yoga pants-wearing, boxed wine-drinking moms racists. Mm-hmm. Indeed, as Sagamore Ferris Gray said at the... Sagamore Ferris Gray. This dude's like 36 years old. He's a Sagamore. That's what a, That's another word for Satan, you know. I, I know what it is, <laughs> okay? No, he's a dude who's got a job essentially as a consultant to... Um, to uh, dress people down and rip people off. It's the Sagamore. Tell us more, Sagamore. Indeed. A Sagamore Ferris Gray. Indeed. Betsy Garrett starts with, <laughs> indeed. My words here have so much heft. Yay. That I must begin mine with, indeed. Indeed. As Sagamore Ferris Gray said at the hearing in February, who is the Raider? It is certainly not the native people whom the colonists forced out of their homes and drove off the land. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oftentimes, they were the raider. As a matter of fact, if you want to say who were renowned raiders around here, you could say the beloved Massachusetts Indians, some of them, and maybe even the Pawtucket Indians, some of them, depending on which ones you want. They were Indian raids all over the goddamn place, and it was written about in all of these town ledgers for original town meetings from 300 years before Betsy Garrett came in to via Zoom to give shout-outs to the native lands in the original town meetings. They were um, uh, complaining and panicking about Indian raids in which colonists were killed, kids were killed, women were raped, things were plundered, and they were terrorized. Yeah, I'm going to take a guess that Betsy Garrett would not have actually enjoyed life in 17th century New England uh, and would not have actually found the Native Americans so charming at the time. Right. And now, so why wouldn't we have called, since, since there were Indian raids going on back then, and there were, um, there were, uh, settler reprisals, and there were settler massacres as well mm-hmm. and atrocities. And there was, a, if you want to call it a genocide, certainly in parts of the country, you could say that absolutely um, happening. Why wouldn't we call them the genociders? Or why wouldn't we call the, them the, the settlers, the encroachers? Why wouldn't we call the, the, the sports teams the encroachers? Or the genociders, or how about the um, the liars? Since we uh, welched on so many treaties with the Indians, why wouldn't we call the teams that? that? Well, because we obviously are ashamed of all our ancestors, so we well, would no, never name but, anything. But you're after right. There's them nothing heroic point. about that. There's nothing heroic about slaughtering a bunch of Indians. There's nothing heroic about about uh, you know screwing people uh, on the on the Appalachian. Some Appalachian people have Shore. crusaders though, still, right? Don't sure. they? So, so here's the thing. Um, there's something that it's applicable in sports to being a fierce fighter because it's competition. 
Right. And that's what you have. And the colonists were scared to death of the raiders. Who were fierce fighters. Right. Who they had a lot of respect for. Right. <laughs> because they were vicious. Now, right. the, the colonists also had, and we talk about Sagamore Joe all the time. I know he's not as legit as uh, Sagamore Fairies Gray. Of course. But, you know, who had close um, allegiances. Allegiances. Uh, um, with the uh, with the colonists, and there was a lot of that going on. It's a big mixed bag, so I'm fine if it is Red Raiders, as in the uh, Indian War Paint Raiders, Red fighting. I'm I'm fine if it is, even though they yeah. killed your right. people. Absolutely, absolutely, they were effective bastards. I, as a matter of fact, there are Shattuck's who probably played for the Red Raiders who don't realize that Uncle Phil was decapitated by one, and they were fine. Okay. All right, so so this is my, this is what Alistair drinking in. This is what is even the be- even better. There has been talk, and I always thought this was <clears throat> way too cute to happen. There has been talk that they would change it to the Melrose Raiders and change the the logo to <clears throat> like a, a raider, as in Doolittle's raids, a bomber from like World right. War Two, and the the logo is really cool. Yeah, and there was some evidence, the historical committee people dug up some evidence that at some point it was being used to refer to like some Melrose alum who had been in World War II. Or maybe something. it was. Yeah. Maybe it was. And so that to me, that is pretty cool. But I thought in Melrose, is that going to is that going to pass? Most Not there? enough. Some have advocated keeping the Raider name and changing the mascot to a bomber aircraft. This is terrifying. Especially now when Russian planes are bombing Ukrainian cities, destroying homes, and tearing families apart. A bomber aircraft has no place as a sports team mascot. This is terrifying. (laughs) She's terrified. Oh my goodness. If you're somebody who's terrified by a cartoon picture of a bomber that says Raiders because the Russians are bombing Ukrainians, that's fine. I understand. To you, that's terrifying. That's fine. You need a battery of psychiatrists. And work with them to be unterrified. Because you shouldn't be afraid. There's plenty of bombers. In this case, I get the feeling, Alice, mm-hmm. that these bombers, raiders, the bomber, the B-25s, are not Russian planes. I get the feeling it means some other bombers. Not Russian planes. You don't think in Melrose they'd be Putin's Red we, Raiders? What if we named him after Ukrainian bombers? Does that work too? Since the Ukrainians are the good guys. You want to be? Can we be the Melrose Zelenskys? Or is that? I allowed? think that's possible. <laughs> I think that is possible. So obviously this is insane, and just insane, just insane, insane, insane. insane. So then this uh, woman, um, and this is where I get to the part where I under, I knew that this was coming. Somebody's going to read something that's been foiled. Something that the something that the um, the superintendent Kuchenberger, who's aptly named, and is nuts. Um, somebody FOIA'd Freedom of Information Act um, got a hold of an email between Kuchenberger and somebody else, in which they discuss. Um, Kuchenberger talks to emails is replies to a student who was interested in getting rid of the name Red Raiders. And Kuchenberger actually took a little bit further. On June 1st, Dr. Kuchenberger responded and stated, thank you for your email and for reaching out to me directly. I am excited to learn you are interested in pursuing this important project beyond your course requirements. I would value the opportunity to meet with you and discuss your project and what you have learned so far. I am also thinking a lot 
about the naming of our elementary schools after white male presidents. Which is, of course, absolutely effing nuts. Absolutely effing nuts. And that really should be, really, if there were any local news anymore, that would be everywhere. Everywhere. I understand the Melrose Weekly News ran it, but I don't see it anywhere else. But that is, so now that gives away the lie. Of course, it's never been about the Indians. Or this is about getting rid of everything. No, everything. this was not some organic thing where somebody came up with the idea. And, you know, I had the same argument with people in Melrose specifically years ago when we lived there because they wanted to get rid of the name Alderman for the right. city council, which is, you know, like Chicago has Alderman, Somerville had Alderman. The, but... Uh, so they kind of framed it as like, you know what, the alderman thing is confusing to people. They don't know what it is. And, you know, as a side thing, it also has the word man in it, which like, it, you know, it should include women. So we should just go to city councilors. And plus, that's less confusing. And, you know, a bunch of my conservative friends were like, why do you care about the alderman thing? Like, why do you what does it matter that the, what they're called to you? Like, why would you die on that hill? And I told them specifically that because this isn't about aldermen and city councilors and it's not because it's confusing and it's not just a one-off thing because these progressive activists the way they operate is they every time you give them an inch they just move on to the next thing there's no bottom it never stops you never compromise with them and they're satisfied and then we can both live in peace you know the conservatives still somehow believe this lie that if you let them you know, make the language on this one thing a little more woke, then they'll leave you alone. They're not right. going to freaking leave you alone. They hate your guts and they want your children to hate your guts too. And yep. they're going to keep coming after you until you have no job, no house, or until you will pledge fealty to any crazy thing they come up with. Right. That's the way this works. Never give them anything. Never believe them. It's never in good faith. They're never arguing course, from a place of, of honesty. Right. It's always just about on to the next thing. Right. And they, it sounds like when and they say, we want to de-emphasize Halloween. You say, you're getting rid of Halloween. They say, we're not getting rid of Halloween. And they're getting rid of Halloween, which is what Kuchenberger did as well. And then so you then say what's this, next. So as go- usual, what happens, as we discussed yesterday, is the awful side does something. You catch them. Hold them accountable. And they say, you're victimizing, how dare, oh my God. And they flop like a European soccer player, which is what this woman did. The next, the last person who came up, self-important woman, looked like Jeffrey Ross, um, uh, comes up. And of course, this is the real problem. Thank you. <clears throat> I want us all to listen to what's been spoken tonight. Jen Rossi Thomas said you're willing to listen to all sides of this argument, but you would not hear personal attacks. We just had a 16-year-old girl's emails get read aloud to the school committee. We know exactly who that girl was. I have no idea what I would be feeling if my son's emails were read aloud tonight. We're all parents. I'd like you to think about how that would feel to you. So away from the fact that we've got a superintendent now formulating how to change all the school's names for racist reasons, because the men were white. Right. The real crime is we've outed a 16-year-old student, which, by the way, the woman who read that email, Christina Hickey, there, did not use anybody's names. Even though the information wasn't redacted when it got to her, she redacted them. She didn't use the information. Now, this is where I thought I had the whole story. 
unbelievably to me, and I'm looking at the picture right now, the way this is set up is on one side, on the sides of the room are the school committee people. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the room is the superintendent, Kuchenberger, Mm -hmm. and is- The chair of the school committee. The chair of the school committee, Jen McAndrews. Yes. What I didn't know then was that student, I'm told, according to news reports, is the offspring of Jen McAndrews, who's sitting at the table with Kuchenberger, who's the superintendent. Right. So they coordinated using the daughter to plant the seed, this whole changeover of names. Then they laundered it through the principal Merrill or whatever this guy's name is somewhere. Jen McAndrew, by the way, biggest... uh biggest architect of progressive stuff in melrose uh, so this thing was never done organically this was a a a complete um conspiracy these are collaborators right to to use kids to launder through their agenda items this is full-on corruption this is manipulation these are bottom feeding dirt bags these people these people are terrible people who would do this would do anything would do anything. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, and ask yourself too, because this is like how people got fooled by them because they're like, it's just, it's the, our mascot's hurting people. Come on. Like, what is it to you? It's okay. We can just change it. It's not, a, it's hurting people. It's okay. This isn't some like big activist thing. Every word of that is a lie. They come in. I mean, like, do you think she hasn't been planning that for years? She first got elected to the school committee when we still lived there and she was like the principal person behind that override too that was when we were there like she's been active in this for a long time do you think this wasn't always on her agenda of stuff to get done let's see check the boxes change the name of the alderman change the high school mascot change the names of the schools you know if you ran on that if you ran on that platform you would never get elected in a million years get rid of all the school holidays but they know that that's that's not how you get elected so they just lie to you and then they pretend that all these things just happen to organically come up this is why conservatives will always lose in places like this right and and even places like where there are people who are more conservative on some of these issues than not like but the other side is doing everything like can you imagine how how ruthless you have to be in the realm of politics to be like having your kid do a school project and collaborating with the superintendent of the schools to come up with this plan so that you can get rid of the mascots and like set up this whole thing so that you can then pretend that this just organically came out of nowhere when it's like you telling your kid to do a project and setting them up to talk to the superintendent about it and when you're on the school committee and the chair of the school committee the whole thing is who by the way obviously kuchenberger is going to meet with the kid of the chair of the school committee because the chair of the the school committee is the boss of the superintendent it's so wild uh, and also alice most likely they just had lunch uh, a day and a half ago at Turner's and discussed this whole thing anyway. Oh, just have your daughter write something up to me and whatever, and I'll get it to Principal Merrill and we'll get the ball rolling. And it's preordained that it's going to pass because George Floyd died. So, <laughs> I mean, it's incredible, but it, I 
it's good for this stuff to get out there. Yes. And I hope conservatives see it and understand that what we're dealing with is not just like nice people with whom we happen to disagree about tax rates. These are a group of people that are absolutely just trying to tear down everything about our society. Yes. I was thinking that about like the Good Friday stuff too. And it like really burns me up because you read all these comments. I went back and was like reading in the Melrose Moms group about them wanting to get rid of Good Friday. And I assume that's preordained too. The school mm-hmm. committee is obviously going to do whatever it takes to get rid of it. They'll give the teachers some other day off and and get it out of the teacher's contract so they can get Good Friday off the school calendar, right? But really, like, their comments are so revealing because there is zero regard for, like, the practicality of the fact that, you know, a lot of people might want that day off and it might be difficult for schools to cover the day, as happened in Wakefield and Winchester and other towns, right? Um that they don't care that it's practical because they want it to be equitable. And really what they want, and they'll say it right there, they're they're saying that the fact that your holiday is off when you're the dominant culture and mine isn't, like my Jewish holiday when there's not as many of us in Melrose, that means that you're treating me as less than. And we're they're never going to be happy until... Until the dominant culture of the society is treated the exact same as the other ones. I mean, like, I can't imagine. Do they move to China for work and then complain that uh, businesses are closed on Chinese New Year? Obviously not, because that's the culture there. It's a big holiday. Everyone takes it off. That's what it is. Right. So what they really want, ultimately, at the end of the day, is to not live in a culture where there is a Christian dominated society. But also, Alice... They don't want you to be a Christian anymore. Let me just, is what let me they just, want. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. Let me just play this again. This is Christina Hickey uh, reading the words of Kuchenberger. On June... No, uh, hey. I am also thinking a lot about the naming of our elementary schools after white male presidents. Superintendent Tom Shattuck says, I'm also thinking a lot about how we're, we have all these schools named after black people. <laughs> how does that end? How is this lady Kuchenberger, who I, I I love, I love how they saw her media accounts of her where the entire state of Maine hates this psychotic, and they say, you know what? Yes, she's the one from Melrose. How does she have a job? They FOIA'd and found that she's talking about race. She's got a problem with race. The people she's got to hang up town. with race. That's a problem. How is this lady not drummed the hell out? Isn't there a uh, uh, some kind of commission around that's supposed to deal with race? Race stuff? Isn't race bad to talk about race? White men? Isn't that racist? Bad? Isn't that bad news? No, hating white men can't be racism, honey. Racism can only be racism when it's directed toward black people, according to the new definition of racism. Okay, so stuff that's named after white, I believe that's a skin color, so that's race, and men, and so that's gender. You can't be racist to white people. It, That's so, part of the new remember, racism stuff. Yeah, She didn't say she's got a problem with Teddy Roosevelt's uh, policy points or the, mar- the March on San Juan Hill. She went no further. Right. I mean, you could find reasons for a lot of these. I'm Our daughter sure, well, went to Hoover uh, Elementary, so well, uh, you could, there are legitimate reasons why you could choose not to have a school named after Herbert Hoover. Are there? Like what? 
like the Great Depression and Hoovervilles and like I mean, well, there's a whole. That's so- not his fault. Yeah, but there's a whole song in Annie about hating him. I understand him, that. I but, understand that. Okay. I understand. There's also a Coolidge School there, right? Uh, there used to be a Coolidge School. It's now apartments. Oh, really? So what? Yeah. What is there? So there's the Coolidge School apartments. There's Hoover. Mm-hmm. There's Teddy Roosevelt. Right. There's Lincoln. Right. Um. And oh, I see. And, These are all Republicans, by the way. It's not. Yeah. Not it, well, cause. Melrose used to be a Republican town. Let's say, am well, I missing anybody? There's, and then the Winthrop School is named after. Her. He's a Massachusetts governor. The first. Yeah, and uh, and a Horace Mann who school, should be which is actually yeah. well, Horace Mann's an educator, so people will like right. him, right? An educational theorist or whatever. But Winthrop will be a problem because Governor John Winthrop had to deal with these things called raids done by raiders. Mm, yeah. So no. yeah, that'll be a, that'll be an, a, an issue. So anyway, that's where we are. This lady should not be. And oh, by the way, somebody brought up, and this is really good. Uh, you, I don't know who wrote this. This write-up about the Board of Ed meeting for the Melrose Weekly News, but it's really written well. It's written artfully by somebody who, who this is not some 22-year-old kid who's who's written this. I'm sure my mom will be able to tell me Please after he listens to the podcast. Say uh, congratulations. It's really written well. But somebody makes the point in the, in mm-hmm. the really, the first paragraph um, that... While all seven board members voted to discontinue the Raider name, at least two of them wanted red and white. Red Hawk, longtime school committee Margaret Margaret Driscoll pointed out, is a name of a name of a Native American tribe. Well, I think it's back to the drawing board, then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Red Hawk. Do you remember what's what I will the be, school? by the way, Alice, I will mm-hmm. be reaching out to the Red Hawk tribe. To let them know, to let them know that and, Melrose is racist. Yes, and I will them. tell them that mm-hmm. it's it probably behooves you to send a high paid um, um, a sagamore <laughs> to Melrose. It just send the invoice first for fifty grand. Go in there and yell at them for being Hitler, and 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 that will that will pay well. Ferry's gray when he knows how to yell at a town like he did in Winchester. In order to understand how the indigenous feel about the, these mascots, you have to understand the history of this country and what happened to us. Uh, we were colonized and assimilated. Uh, we make the comparison quite often to the similarities between what Hitler did and what the colonists did. Um, the one difference is Hitler was stopped and the colonists were not. Yeah, all I need is some shakedown artist with a Brockton accent telling me uh, that everybody's Hitler. That America's actually worse than Hitler. Yeah, yeah it's, it's worse. We're what you get if uh, Hitler by, succeeds. By the way, I like that he thought that was clever. Yeah. The only difference is, yeah, I think there's a few differences. Fairies, gray. Um, so is no- America what you get, honey, if Hitler isn't stopped? Yep. This is, this is if Hitler won is today's America. Great. That's perfect. That's what we should teach kids. All right. So can I get to my data points to clean up? Sure, sure, sure. So, it's, Alice, that's got a big, it's a big, I am going on the record. As far as, you heard the Minahan broadcast today. Those guys are at death's door. They're, I heard they're, a little they, bit They all it, have yeah. COVID. They're all, I assume that they've by now succumbed. Okay. By the way, my friend and co uh, intercom co-worker, Steve Chacho, also wants something cleared up. They suggested today that he didn't know how to use a toilet. Uh, and since I said I was going to go and tweeted that I was going to clear things up in the show today, he said, add in how I know how to use a toilet. Steve does not know how to use a toilet. I worked alongside Chach uh, for a few years, across the hall anyway, and he's very competent. He certainly knows how to use a toilet. That would have been known had he not know how to do it. Okay. So, two things. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
one I, th I think I cleared up yesterday is the um, this idea that I suggested that I was hobnobbing with Howie at Intercom. Um, I started at Intercom as the front desk associate, the the male receptionist. I was 31 years old and a male receptionist. So every morning I woke up and I thought to myself, should I simply put a gun in my mouth or should I go to work and try to, um, or in, or in try to break into radio? So I uh, applied myself. And like I've never applied myself before or since. And a year and a half into it, I was not only out of the reception desk, but I was into programming, not only a producer, but the executive producer, which Kirk is right, is essentially make the schedule, get yelled at by producers and the hosts for stuff. But you're at least deep into programming. And from there, um, it, it was in, in all the other producers hated me, of course, because I was just at the front desk. And now I was I was, you know. I was invited to meetings, which I, it, I believe me, most of which during I wanted to also off myself. So, 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 but I knew, you know, I knew, you know, it took a few years to being there. From there, that's when I started really working closer to Howie. I'd fill in as a producer for him here, there, or knock ideas around. I'd try to help him. I wanted to be near Howie. That was part of the panel plan. The moment I walked in the door and my, and my boss, who was the controller said, uh, Tom, I don't want you bothering PDs. I don't want you bothering Howie. And I said, Howie? Who? What do you mean, Howie? And, like, and I said, I'm going to be bothering Howie. This is, <laughs> this is why I'm here. So, Howie Carr, that is. And you guys know who he is. And and so, um, and so I I got there and and I got in and, and from there, like the only way to, to start moving up in radio, because I wanted to be a producer. Instead, I was the, the an APD not even. I was executive producer. It's you do schedules, bookkeeping, dealing with. I didn't want to send emails and sit in sales and marketing meetings. Like I want to be doing radio stuff. So that's when I got the gig <coughs> over at ninety six nine TKK, and that's how you do it. You you know leapfrog, leapfrog until something happens. And then the guy at TKK, Michael Graham, used to put me on the air, and we that, which got shut down. I was terrible on the air. I was afraid, and so our program director said never put him on the air again. And then after a year, it, things cleared up. He started putting me on the air again and again and again and again and, and, and just left me to myself. He would, like I told you, he would just, he would put me on the air. He would ask me a question and then he'd leave the mic and go to the other side of the room and drink his coffee. So I was like, I had to fill. I was no, and I, thank God bless him for doing it because that was good. Center. I'm not, whatever. I'm not saying, first of all, this sounds like the, the, um, autobiography of somebody who then went on to be a star. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> but anyway, so so, so my time with um, after I went from ninety six nine Boston Talks as a producer to the Boston Herald to build Boston Herald Radio, the online digital thing. That's really when I was started working alongside with Howie and Kathy and collaborating on bigger, different things. So that's that. <clears throat> now, we interviewed Kirk um, at Boston Herald Radio. So he was just kind of starting. I think this is twenty thirteen. So he was just. Maybe it would have been a couple of years, but he, or he was already sitting with John and in with John and Jerry, and he was incredible. And so in Boston Herald Radio, I didn't have very much of a budget. It was me and one other full timer, and then I had to try to find interns and do whatever I could, whatever I could. We got the studio built on some trade, and this and that. So I, we had to do whatever we could to try to get talent. So it just happened to be a time in radio in Boston Radio when. A lot of people were available. All of us from 96.9 and the talkers got laid off because it flipped format, Mets. So, and 
Um, another talk station I know had had purged everybody and gone all syndicated. And so so there were people unemployed available. So I thought, you know what? Maybe while people are waiting to do something, they'll be part of the Boston Herald Radio lineup. Maybe I can do wall-to-wall live local talk, which then WRKO wasn't doing. You know, they just go from morning through to Howie and then syndication. But I thought, wow, maybe we can have full talk. And so we reached out to all these people who were available. Some of them said no, some of them said yes. But one was Jeff Katz, and he initially said yes. So we had Jeff for a little while. Michael Graham, um, who had been fired with me, so I knew that he was available. <laughs> and we could we did some stuff with Howie. We did some stuff in-house with Battenfeld. We did some stuff with, some stuff with uh, obviously, Chabot was in-house as well. We brought in Jacqueline Cashman. We brought in Adriana. Um, um, who else did we have? We brought in Stevie. Steve, uh, Jen Steve. Royal. Jen Royal, that's right. Jen Royal. Uh, John Meter Prell at the beginning. Mm-hmm. These were all people... So, so at the beginning, the deal was, and I won't go into this particulars with everybody, but the, essentially the deal with everybody was, and this is how I approached everybody, is that this is not, we're not offering contracts, contracts. We don't have, the contract that we can offer is if the show makes money, you can get a piece of it and you can get exposure through being on the thing. And that was, and essentially Shaka would, um, Joe Shaka would you could write columns here and there? So Meter Perel could write a column. Uh, Cashman could write a problem, a column. So it was somewhere to go and still get, and still get um, noticed, and still be in the game producing content somewhere. And we didn't know if this. But it was mostly people who were otherwise unemployed or were uh, doing it in addition <coughs> to something else. Like right, nobody so, was getting offered money. To nobody like- was offered money, and that was up from the beginning. So that's why that's why the pitch was. Come on in. We're not paying, but you have the opportunity to do something. So, so uh, I had heard from I think Meter Perel that that Minahan maybe was interested, or or maybe I'd asked him because it was on the show at that time. Minahan, John was uh, Kirk was being dicked around by the company that I had that I had worked for years earlier, and I was familiar with the pattern of them dicking around. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? They're probably one. I knew that he was awesome. He was such a talent. And I thought maybe there's a chance. And we we interviewed a lot of people for a lot of different stuff. I, th- I interviewed uh, Fred and Steve and uh, Ordway. We thought we were going to have Ordway at one point. We had, but but Kirk. I thought this guy we have a chance with because he was younger. He still had was still technically working for the EI website. And I thought they're screwing with him. So maybe he'll come in with us, um, and maybe and this is before he was a superstar, but he was definitely the best talent in the city, in my opinion. At that point, I thought this guy's awesome. I thought maybe he'll just grow the our thing. Maybe he'll make some money. Maybe he has money. Who knows? Um, but but maybe he'll take the deal where he gets a commission, a piece of his own show, and this and that. It's whatever. You know. Now he's pitching it as I just said. We're not going to pay you. It's not what it was. It was this is not a paying thing. But if you want to. Make a living here for a while, and you could be writing, um, which he had been done, done for the website anyway. And and at the very least, in the very least, you'll be, you'll at least show other people that uh, that there's interest in you. So in the very least, um, you'll be if you uh, if you come with us, th- then you'll be 
I mean, you'll you'll be a known commodity who's still producing content, so maybe that would increase. I mean, you understand why some people do get offended when you offer for them to work for not getting paid, right? Well, yeah, but I didn't have any budget. So, I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> Promise that you get paid? I, there was no paying. There was nothing. So I had to come up with, oh, I asked, I asked Todd Feinberg. I brought him in. And he essentially said, no. And Todd was like, no, I know that there's money somewhere. You can find it. And he was like, probably at the end of the day, probably was the way to go. But I was not... There were forces inside the building that were not, this was not going to happen. I had to fight for everything I got there. Everything. And it's, it, believe me, that, that, that I would say that perhaps the union wasn't thrilled that we were there. And I would say that, um, that, um, that the establishment print legacy folks, a lot of them weren't thrilled. Well, I hope they're pleased so, with the way things are right, now. Well, Good luck. So, to so, you guys. so anyway, so uh, all we had was Shaka's backing. He was the he was the editor in chief, and so that was the coverage. That was the power we we had, and that was good. To God, thank God. And Shaka had Purcell's backing, who was the publisher and the owner. So that was it. But it was not. It was an unfriendly environment. <laughs> so I didn't have those. So, so when so so, um, so we knew that like it was minimal. That when we offered, when we pitched people to come over, that they would do it because they're coming in and for free. And some of the people said, "I can't have tell my agent that I'm taking a gig for free." Some of the people thought it would hurt that their it would hurt their market value for be working for free. And and I think they were right probably. Um, and so we had a meeting with Kirk, which there was a distraction during, which I missed part of the meeting, which I can't mention the distraction because I'll be canceled. But <clears throat> wait, really? Yeah, I didn't tell you about I this. I don't know if I know what this is. There was a spectacle happening um, over his shoulder across the street in a hotel. I don't think I know what it you is. You don't know? I'll, <laughs> I, I guess you'll have anyway, to tell me. Spectacle, and I thought, wow, this is up. But anyway, he was such a friendly and interesting and thoughtful guy to interview that I couldn't believe how amenable to everything he was. He was really... He, I knew he was such a talent. I was getting excited. I thought, no, nope. I thought, nope. oh no, you can't Ow. come in because you're not, you're not wearing clothes. That's a that's a child. Really. I don't know. So anyway, so oh, come okay. on. Okay, so 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 um, so anyway, the, the discussion went well with him, and and the studio at that point was fine, but it got better too. Like he mentioned, it got better, but um. But my thought was that maybe he would just so, even just to get EEI jealous, would start hanging out with us. Because I thought that they probably were screwing with him, trying to not pay him much, and uh, trying to um, just bully him, as was uh, as was the uh, reputation at that point. So that's that's what I thought was my the our our situation and i didn't expect it to last long if he did because i figured somebody would gobble him up but we'd have him for a little bit of time and i didn't expect anybody to stay for very very long the first group of people because i knew they'd get paying gigs somewhere down the line it just so happened that a lot of people at that point were unemployed so that's when kirk came in and we had a great discussion he was uh he was um he's just such a he just gets it he's just a, he's just a very thoughtful and 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 um and and uh, intelligent guy, and so, and he was, he was so amenable to everything that I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, he's really going for this. And we've gotten to the part here where the pay is zero, uh, you know, until there's a commission on ads or whatever, and he still seems to be amenable. And and when he left after that meeting, 
I was like, wow, Joe, I think he's going to do it. I think we, I think we're going to get Minahan. And then you know, like a couple days later or whatever, I don't, I, I don't know if he blew us off or maybe he told us that it's not going to work out. But, and I understand because he got his, and maybe it did help. Maybe I knew that I heard, maybe, maybe I get some credit here. Maybe I knew that, uh, that he had been sniffing around elsewhere, which I'm sure we, we interviewed a bunch of people. I'm sure people just, the, the, sometimes, especially in radio, just the act of going and meeting with somebody or something, maybe not, maybe they came to their senses, but I was hoping they wouldn't come to their senses and that we'd have the steal of a lifetime and grab him. So that is that. And uh, so just in case uh, you think that I was saying, you'll get nothing, Minihan. No, that's not exactly what it was. I had nothing to give. All I could do is like, and he doesn't drink, so I couldn't like, we had cases of Sam Adams beer and other stuff that I managed to get for trade by using complete prostitution tactics. So that, that, that's it. But uh, I think they had to pay for their own parking. It, it was so bad at the beginning that I started paying for everybody's parking, which was expensive. Yeah. And then I found a way to sneak out of the parking lot. And of course, somebody had to tell the pretty people about the way and that got ruined. <coughs> So anyway, that is my part right there. And Steve Chacho does know how to use a bathroom and is a very good uh, producer as God, well. I'm glad you And Steve Chacho, like... Alice. Uh-huh. Now, hold on. This is gets okay. even... This is more... You're going to need all this information, Alice, for okay, my, my I'm taking biography. Notes. Okay. Steve Chacho. <laughs> okay. Lives in Winchester. So he dealt with these Sachem idiots. Steve Chacho married to Pam Taylor. Winchester High School, class of 1991 graduated with one Thomas Shattuck. She was in my confirmation class as well. Me and her and two other Winchester High kids slept over at, I believe, what is your church now, for a couple of uh, nights to to learn how to be more godly at one point. What place is it? She was a family friend and close. It was a, She was a friend in high school, and she was a, she's a quality person. Well, God- Pam Taylor's best friend, of course, was Mary Keith, of course. Mm-hmm. So Pam introduced saw me at the front desk told mary i didn't look really good at 31 but it kind of introed us because mary was single and so me and mary went out for a few tumultuous crazy unproductive and disastrous years which is good which left me uh essentially there and ready to meet the love of my life alice shattuck once i got to another place in life so there you go all comes together. <laughs> Perfect. All That's comes great. together. That's great. So do you, as a final closing thought, do you think Musk is going to pull off this hostile takeover of Twitter or no? Are you saying this is more pertinent to the history of the world than my interview process at Boston Herald Radio? <laughs> You'd be interested in it. I think Not Musk is going to pull it off and I think the Biden administration is going to spend an inordinate amount of time of trying to get Musk in front of Congress about all his businesses and try to destroy him. So they're already going after him for this SEC stuff, you know, um, and I like because I guess he didn't disclose stuff in the right amount of time or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. it, all that area of law is like really complicated. So I don't know all that stuff. But um, so but like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So you saw that the that Saudi prince that owns a bunch of his holding company owns a bunch of it. Yeah. Um. He's like one of the biggest shareholders after Musk. He's saying no, you know, and Musk is asking him, what's your position on freedom of speech and democracy? Oh, that's not going <laughs> to... On Twitter. Oh. <laughs> because everything is like weirdly meta. 
Um, there's also speculation like, you know, about how he's going to finance it looks a little tricky because I mean, obviously he's the richest man in the world, but it, most of his money is Tesla stock. So, which right. he can only sell in certain amounts because it's like a whole thing. Right. So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of moving parts here still, like nothing's final, but if he really pulls it off and owns Twitter, that would be incredible. All the right people are losing their minds right now. And and I am I'm shocked by this because Elon Musk is not a conservative. No. He's a climate change dude. Tesla's all about the climate. Right. Like, That's they, he was a hero to them a little while ago. Yeah. So they all own his cars, which is an incredible yeah. irony. I was driving behind one today and thinking how ironic it is. But yeah, this guy um, who's a YouTuber, Oron McIntyre on Twitter, he put together, compiled a little thread of some of the people's uh, reactions to it. Max Boot, who writes for The Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, tweeted, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. Right. And then, obviously, Brianna Wu, who's the definitely not trans person who was at the center of Gamergate, tweeted... Right-wing lunatics may despise us and the standards of civility we expect, but the truth is their social media networks fail without us. And somebody else tweeted, I don't want to leave Twitter, but it seems a given that if Musk buys it, it will become uninhabitable for trans people and lots of oh, others. God. Oh, God. Oh, you mean you might encounter, just like you might encounter in life, people who don't think you're really a woman? Well, right, and they might get somebody who doesn't bend the knee to everything they ask for, and then they might not be able to cancel them, which is no good. If you're taking the fangs out of the mob, that's bad news for um, these progressive zealots. The Washington Post wrote, apparently without any sense of irony, Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows we need, this was last week when he was going to be on the board, that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling our channels of communication. Says the newspaper owned by I know, Jeff I know. It's too, it's too beautiful. Too ridiculous. If Elon Musk successfully purchases Twitter, it could result in World War III and the destruction of our planet. Jesus uh, Christ. Jeff Jarvis tweets, Today on Twitter feels like the last evening in a Berlin nightclub at the twilight of Weimar, oh, Germany. Oh, beautiful. That is so beautiful. I was going to say it did, too. And finally, to top it off, Axios, the world's richest man, someone who used to be compared to Marvel's Iron Man, is increasingly behaving like a movie supervillain, commanding seemingly unlimited resources with which to finance his mischief-making. There are two, two cliches, I think, in talk radio. Or in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, one is talk radio people talking about everybody gets a trophy. And the other one is people talking about conservatives talking about everybody gets a trophy. But I think we're starting to see the dividends of, of everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets to be a hurt bitch at every corner. It's <laughs> freaking remarkable. All right. Well, come uh, Sunday, Alice, I'll have my dissertation on on uh, how I have been over the years at Boston Herald Radio um, wronged by Dave Colony and Alice. I'm going to that well again. <laughs> we'll see. 
We'll see if I can keep this going. I literally can't. I'm not going to be on if we talk about this again. If you're just going to monologue about Boston Herald Radio, I'm hey, not going to. People like this stuff. People want to know about the inside okay. of radio stuff. This is okay. not all. People want to know. Oh, I'm sorry, Alice. They want to know about your time, you know, going to Tufts and uh, all the interesting stuff. They don't, which is I, why I don't talk about it. Right. But I have an interesting job now. Okay? <laughs> well, or did. <laughs> You're a very cool and interesting person. Or you know what? I was was interesting adjacent. (laughs) You briefly were close to greatness, honey. Correct. (laughs) Anyway. Briefly uh, close to greatness by Tom Shattuck. (laughs) You can find Tom on Twitter at Tom Shattuck. We are at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can go to burnbarrelpodcast.com where you can find all the different spots you can listen to the podcast as well as uh, YouTube and Rumble channel. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.